0: Hey grown-up friends, a big thank you to so many of you that have already bought my new book, Launching Financial Grown-ups: Live Your Richest Life by Helping Your Almost Adult Kids Become Everyday Money Smart. This book was not easy to write because I had to get honest with myself about what was working with my teen and young adult kids and what was not working. And I also had to be prepared to share it with all of you. So first of all, thank you for your support and your wonderful responses to it. There's definitely some things in there that you may not have been expecting to hear. By the way, I got a lot of help from my money expert friends and also financial therapists and parenting experts. I am really happy with how launching Financial Grownups came out, even though it really was hard to be Like I said, that honest and um, it was a lot of work, but I really love doing it and I'm really happy with how it came out. On that note, if you have not already, please pick up a copy of Launching Financial Grownups Today. After you do, please share it on social media. Please leave a review on Amazon. Those reviews are super important because the algorithm picks up on them and that can make the book a lot more visible to more people. So I truly appreciate it and I really also appreciate all of your support. You're listening to Money Tips for Financial Grown-ups with me, certified financial planner Bobby Rebel, author of Launching Financial Grown-ups because you know what? Grown-up life is really hard, but together, we got this. Hey friends, I hope everyone is enjoying the summer and spending some quality time with friends and family what better time to share with all of you one of my favorite family podcasts, Marriage, Kids, and Money. It is hosted by my friend, Andy Hill. Andy was kind enough to have me on recently, and we talked about everything from the importance of realistic money discussions with our children, why we need to let our children make some money mistakes, the balance of gifting wealth and teaching our children the value of hard work, and of course, How to Prevent Boomerang Kids. I hope you enjoy our chat. And of course, be sure to follow and subscribe to Andy's podcast, Marriage, Kids, and Money. Enjoy.
1: This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill. And today we're going to be answering a question from the Marriage, Kids, and Money community about boomerang kids. Yeah, these are the uh, adult children coming home after the pandemic, staying there, and then not going anywhere. <laughs> we're going to talk to Bobby Rebel about how to get these adult children to launch. All right, let's jump into today's show. I received a question from John through my newsletter, and here it is. I'm curious about your thoughts on the boomerang kids coming back home to live with their parents during the pandemic. And it seems to have continued past the pandemic. I have a teenager and I do not want to have her be a boomerang kid in her twenties advice on how to prevent this. From John. John, thank you very much for connecting through my newsletter. If you want to join my biweekly newsletter like John, you can do that at marriagekidsandmoney.com com slash free gift. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash free gift. You'll get the 10 steps we took to pay off our mortgage early as the free gift. Back to John. John, this is a very, very interesting question. And it's actually one that I think about a lot. I think about it with my wife. We have conversations about this. We're raising kids with a lot of privilege and we recognize that. So how do we keep them humble and eventually independent? Those are the thoughts that are running through our head here in our house. But since I don't have teenagers yet, I thought I'd get a little help from a parent and an author who knows teens very well. So, to help me answer your question, John, I've invited Bobby Rebel. She is the author of Launching Financial Grownups: Live Your Richest Life by Helping Your Almost Adult Kids Become Everyday Money Smart. Bobby is also a financial literacy advocate, the host of the Money Tips for Financial Grownups podcast, and the founder of grownupgear.com, Bobby was previously a global business news anchor and personal finance columnist at Reuters and held various journalist positions at top news outlets, including CNBC, CNN, and PBS. When Bobby is not helping launch financial grownups, she enjoys spending time with her husband and golfing. Welcome back to the show, Bobby.
0: Thank you so much for having me. And yes, golfing became my pandemic passion, right? We all have our little pandemic hobbies that we picked up.
1: Absolutely. And it's springtime now. And gosh, man, we got to get out there and golf. I think that'd be a great way for everybody to enjoy a little sunshine. So let's help John here with his question. What steps can John take to help his current teen not become a boomerang kid in her 20s?
0: Well, first of all, John, thank you for your question. And I do want to commend you because it's important as parents that we remember that our job is to raise grown-ups, And I love the fact that you're thinking ahead to how you can set your child up for success. And that's half the battle right there is that you're actually planning and being strategic about it and thinking about it. So what you wanna do is also pass it on to your daughter and make sure that she understands that you have that expectation that she's not going to boomerang. What I would caution you about is really drawing a line in the sand. You should set up your expectation that when she's done with college when she's in her 20s you hope that she will not have to come back and live with you but you also don't want to make her feel unwelcome or make her feel like in a pinch you're not going to be there as a safety net unless you really aren't which my gut feeling is you'd be there in a pinch. right? So how can you set them up for success? First of all, you want to make sure that when they get to the point when they're, let's say, out of college, they are in the best financial position possible. So that might be making sure that they get out of college without an overwhelming amount of student debt, ideally no student debt, so they're not battling debt, because that's a big reason a kid might move home. The other thing you might think about is, do they have a nest egg? Because in order to rent an apartment or even to buy a home, they need to have that cushion, both an emergency cushion and also savings because when you rent an apartment you might have to put down you will, you will have to put down a deposit you might be paying a real estate agent and all of the associated costs with setting up a home what you might do for her is say well I don't want you to move home but here I'm going to also put aside some resources and I'm going to help you maybe you'll co-sign for that first rental apartment right maybe you'll say well I will temporarily subsidize you this percentage for the first month going down by a few percentage points every month. So it's very clear that there's an exit ramp, but making it easier for them, for your child to set up their life living independently from you and helping them understand what their life is going to cost. So maybe you sit down, maybe a year before that timeline is going to start before she graduates from college and say, let's go through, what does it look like for you to live in your own apartment? Is it not going to be financially viable? Well, how do we make it viable? How many roommates do we need? Do we need to be in a different neighborhood? Do we need to have maybe lower expectations about what kind of space you're going to have? Maybe you're going to be in a tinier apartment than ideally, but have those conversations so you've got the expectations out there and then let them know that you are there for them, but to help them live independent from you.
1: I love this. And it's all about communication, starting these conversations early, maybe just to sharing even your feelings about the news that you're reading about the boomerang kids and having those conversations and seeing where the conversation goes. Question, Bobby, at what point in the sort of the mid-teens realm can we expect kids to maybe earn a little bit of money and then start to take on some financial responsibility? Maybe it's not paying in the mortgage or whatever at your house or anything like that in your teens, but How can we slowly give them more responsibility so that we're launching them?
0: I love that question. So that is why I start my book at age 16 and it goes to age 26 Is sort of the range of the kids age that I focus on. And that's primarily because I chose 16 because that's when, in most states, kids can start to drive. And that's the first big financial responsibility that a lot of kids have, and it can be a motivator for them to start earning money independently. That is not to say that they should not and cannot be earning some money in different ways when they are younger. I'm all for the lemonade stands. I'm sure you've put your kids to work in some oh, you way, know it, <laughs> but kids, yeah, kids, definitely kids like to earn money, whether it's even for just tours around the house or if they're earning money to raise money for a fundraiser for school, that's still earning money, even if it's going to a charity. So it's not to say it shouldn't happen earlier, but in terms of having a real tangible responsibility, like a car where maybe they can have skin in the game by paying the insurance, by paying for their gas, it's, it's Cars are complicated because sometimes we want the kids to have it so that they can take the burden of driving their siblings around and stuff like that. So it's delicate how much we want to say you got to pay for the car yourself. Sometimes it makes financial sense for us to subsidize that car, but that's sort of a good starting point. And it's also an age when... You know, businesses of people that you don't know, strangers might hire them because (laughs) 16 is sort of an age that for many kids, they have the maturity to be able to handle a job at, you know, maybe like a chain store. I know I had jobs at a local bakery growing up. I worked gift wrap desk at a small department store in high school and college. I worked at a store called The Lodge, which is kind of like The Gap. It involved a lot of folding clothing in a very specific way Andy um, but you know it teaches it teaches attention to detail that's the truth of it right yeah and uh, inventory day was always fun oh yes always I always seem to have classes on inventory day and I, I couldn't go in there in college
1: I had a really excellent job at Eddie Bauer folding sweaters as well when I, I think I was 19 they played the same loop of music over and over again I think it was the same 12 oh, yeah. songs so Manic Monday I probably heard Manic Monday probably <laughs> seven times in a shift so I i, I was about to lose my marbles at that time. But as you said, it's humbling. So we're opening up communication, we're sharing expectations, maybe setting some goals, like you're talking about, maybe, hey, this would be good to have a little bit of money for when you get your first place, first month's rent or something like that. And then helping them to feel comfortable, maybe empowering them a little bit with a little bit of income. Talk about outside of the financial benefits of that. What are the emotional, I guess, physical benefits of, of a teen gaining some responsibility?
0: It gives them so much confidence and it gives them, you know, faith in themselves to know that you believe in them and that you don't feel the need to constantly rescue them, that you believe they can do it. And we all look, I mean, which, how many of us still have imposter syndrome, right? We kind of feel like we're faking it all as we go on through life. We want to give our kids the confidence to know, you know, it's not just about competence the information. It's also about confidence that they can do it and and understanding that a lot of these things are not as hard as they may think. And so I think that's really important.
1: I think that's great. So you are a mom. You've had the opportunity to maybe see boomerang kids come back at your house. Tell us about how, how this has fared in your life.
0: <laughs> so first of all, to be clear, I am very much still in the thick of it. And this book came about because I was having my own struggles. Let's be honest. I, I was I have all the information on paper. I'm a certified financial planner. As you said in that lovely introduction, I spent years reporting on business news. I have lots of information about the Fed. It's great. I like to joke I spent 10 <laughs> years reporting that the Fed did nothing. Now they're finally doing something and I'm not reporting. it's all the news yet. now. <laughs> yeah, now it's all the news. But even now, they haven't done that much yet. I mean, but anyway, inflation's out of control, but, but they're the Fed funds rate. Anyway, so I had all this information and yet... Somehow, when I told them to do stuff, they just like didn't do it. They said they would. I have really good kids. They were earning money. I was telling them, you know, open up a Roth IRA, and I said, here's my guy at the discount brokerage. You know, you can attach to my assets, and they'll treat you really well because you know, if you have certain asset amounts, you can get, and that's a big tip. You can get better mortgage rates, all that, if you have a certain level of, of assets in one place. So parents should attach their kids if they can get better service, you know, or, or like lower fees by having more a, a combined balance at, at a brokerage firm or what have you. But I said, you're welcome to go on any app you want, you know, just tell me so I'm aware of what you're doing. However it works for you to set up your Roth IRA, do it, but let me know. And it just wasn't getting done. And that's when I realized that it's not enough to just know what your kids should do. There's a lot of psychology in this. And even though I definitely interviewed money experts, and by the way, we didn't mention this, you were in the book. <laughs> featured in the book.
1: I talk about imposter syndrome. You calling me an expert is, it's (laughs) it's all sorts of fun. You are
0: definitely an expert in the book, (laughs) but I have money experts. I have parenting experts, but I think the best experts I had are the financial therapists because there is so much psychology in the way that we can teach our older kids about money. It's much more complicated. You know, little kids, I can't say they're going to do what you say. Any parent knows you can't really tell a toddler what to do. And you certainly can't tell an elementary school kid what to do they 're going to have their own ideas, but when the stakes get higher and they 're older, it really is hard because there are always other priorities and The pandemic, by the way, was sort of helpful because we had a captive audience. <laughs> so when the kids boomeranged back during the pandemic, we had all three kids were living at home we have a fourteen year old and then twenty two and twenty five They were all home for a while. We did have a captive audience, and I will say that that helped our relationship evolve. A lot, And created a lot of discussions, even though living you know, with your adult kids is not always the easiest thing to the point of our, our question from John earlier. There are a lot of benefits to having those conversations without the distractions of them constantly going out with their friends or running off to activities. It was really the first time that we had family dinners. And, and the value of sitting down at a meal with your young adult kids should never be underestimated. It's a great way for things to just kind of come out. If we put the phones away, I should say. Put the phones away just for a few minutes. Yeah,
1: it's tough, especially as they've gone off and been on their own for a little while and they come back and then, oh, I've got something to show. Oh, do you? Because I've got my phone here and I'm, yes,
0: I'm out. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, yeah. And they look, they come back, they want to be treated as adults with all the benefits of children, which is complicated. <laughs> so right. that worked. Remember when we had 15 days to stop the spread? Yes. So yes. that whole thing worked really well. For the first 15 days, sure, I'll do your laundry. Sure, we'll make every meal for you. But then as time goes on, They did need to step up and start, you know, acting as adults living in their parents' house. But as adults, it's a different relationship.
1: You probably did a lot of research with this book about maybe some situations that have gone awry with this continuation of living at home or boomerang back home. What can this do to a grown adult that's trying to make good with their own financial situation when they've got boomerang kids at home?
0: Oh, it can completely derail your future. And that's the real crux of of this book is that I really, you know, was worried as I started thinking through this because I did have some friends and some very well-educated friends who should know better. Some journalist friends that write about money, Andy, not you, who said, I have taken money out of my 401k to help my adult kids. And they say, I know it's wrong, but I can't say I wouldn't do it again. That's really scary. So a lot of Adults who are nearing retirement age or in retirement will take money out of their retirement funds to help their adult kids. And very often the adult kids aren't aware that they're putting their parents in a precarious financial situation. And this can really lead to a lot of pain down the road, not only with the parents not having money themselves, then you haven't taught the kids to take care of themselves and live at the appropriate spending pattern for the resources that they actually have. Because often we want our kids to be at a lifestyle level that we're at in our forties and fifties and they're in their twenties. I mean, and and then the the worst thing of course is if your if your kids become dependent on I'm sorry, if you become dependent on your kids, that's the worst case scenario. But where I see a lot of problems, and and I see this in our in my husband and, and me as well, is that we have to remember, you know, you and I were joking about the jobs we had in high school. Well, we have to remember that, you know, my husband's first, you know, apartment out of college, he says was terrifying. It was scary. I mean, I would say your parents should have subsidized you a little bit, but they weren't going to do that in that generation. They were like, you know, they they just, it was like, you're done at 18 and that's it, whatever. You know, you're done with college. We paid for college. You're on your own. And that's what he could afford. We tend to say, oh, we don't want that. We want them to be comfortable. So then we're subsidizing them. And there is a place for that. I don't want to say that's not the right thing in some cases temporarily, but If we subsidize to the point where they are living at a lifestyle that we aspire to for them, that's not where they are in their life, that can be very problematic. Does that make sense? Let them be 22.
1: Well, it reminds me of the conversation that you and I had in the book too about me wanting to have the lifestyle my parents had right when I graduated and I was making $30,000 a year, but they were making a lot more than that and they had saved a lot to get there. I wonder if us as parents, and I guess I'll find out when I get to be you know, a parent of a, a late teen, or early 20, that I'm going to want to project my lifestyle of safe and comfortable on them and that projection might make it more difficult. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I think that happens a lot, that that we as parents sort of forget how we actually lived when we were 22 years old. And I know that I stretched to buy this apartment when I was 23, and I even saw, I'm still a good friend with her, a friend of mine that I worked at CNBC with, she did a similar thing because New York real estate was very cheap at the time. I bought a $90,000 apartment. It was it was not the fanciest apartment, let me be clear, but it was still $90,000 for, you know, a studio apartment in Manhattan, but I had no cash. I was very house poor and we would literally share a 99 cent box of macaroni and cheese, the two of us. Cause she, she then did, you know, we saw how cheap the real estate market was. And by the way, we did do very well on those apartments, but we had, you know, we had stretched. And so we lived on that macaroni and cheese rather than sort of spending money that we didn't have. And we have to remember that, that it's okay to be on a tight budget when you're young. It's okay to travel and stay in one-star hotels. Or when you do a house share, I remember I did stretch to do it, but I did a Hamptons share. And I think in a house that probably is completely illegal, I'm sure. But let's say there were four bedrooms, so maybe there should have been eight people there. There were at least 30 people. They put down like, um, <laughs> this, is, this was so illegal. I'm sure it was illegal. I wasn't in charge though. They put down like, like futons, all over the place in every square foot of the house, and there were like 30 of us, and we literally like just slept on these like pads on the floor. But you remember all over the place. that, and that's literally gonna be it's gonna be
1: something you're gonna but remember. But it was age appropriate.
0: I mean, it was the Hamptons. The Hamptons, if people know, is super expensive. And I think we paid under $1,000 for the share. And if you had done it properly, it might've been $10,000. So, and even the $1,000 was a huge stretch at the time. So, you know, you do it, it's age appropriate. When you go to a wedding, share the room with five girls, you know, and just crash, you know, on the floor. Somebody sleeps on the chair, whatever it may be. I'm not, I don't mean to burst anyone's bubble, but you know, you don't need to do all the things at that age if it's not in your budget, if it is, God bless you. You know, good for you. But for many of us, it just wasn't, and we forget that. That when we traveled, we did stay at youth hostels. Literally, I remember going up five flights of stairs at a youth hostel in Amsterdam. Bananas. I remember and that hand as well. They you your sheets. They hand you a pile of sheets.
1: Community bathrooms, bunk beds. I was there too. Probably the same Amsterdam yeah, hotel hostel.
0: <laughs> we don't do that for our kids. Our kids don't do that. We're like, oh, I don't know if that's safe. I don't know. We have to kind of let go and let them be the age that they are and be at the income level and lifestyle level that they're at. And it's hard because there is peer pressure. They're not living in a bubble. Absolutely. So that's another thing that we're competing with as well.
1: I I think that's a really good point. And I think it's trying to find that balance of keeping them safe and maybe keeping them too safe and then finding that middle ground that works for you, your income and your family situation. Let's talk to John and, and the other parents that are listening right now that are saying, okay, I want to keep my mindset like john i've got a 16 year old let's say and i want to help her or him not be a boomerang kid what is one small step they could take following this interview that we could use as a takeaway
0: sock away money start investing but when you invest think about where you're putting it so as i said my gut instinct was to tell the kids to load up the Roth IRAs because I'm optimistic, I believe at some point they're not gonna qualify for it. They're gonna make enough money that they can. They should do it now. That's my just believing in them. That said, if they have short-term goals like saving for a down payment for a house, maybe they want it in a brokerage account. You know, Be thoughtful. It's like there's a whole debate going on about 529s right now because while well, they're wonderful in so many ways and great tax deductions, they also have limitations. So be aware that it's not, not every investment has to be for retirement and let them know that as much as it's important, especially when they have a corporate job and there's a match going on, you absolutely want to maximize those 401ks. I'm not saying not to do that, but don't forget to save out of those vehicles for the things that they're going to want early in life. Because if they're loading everything into retirement funds, how are they going to have a down payment for a house? How? I mean, you can take some money out of a Roth IRA, some, but really probably not enough. And you want to have them have money for those short-term goals so they can live their life along the way. While also, of course, I'm not saying not to save for retirement. I hope people don't misconstrue that, but make sure that they have money accessible for life.
1: You're specifying, hey, retirement's important, but also, hey, in order to buy a home, especially in this crazy market, saving for a down payment is not a bad idea as well. And you can do that through different savings vehicles or investing vehicles to get there. I think this is great advice, Bobby. Bobby, where can people grab your new book and then connect with you if they want to learn more?
0: So, the book is available everywhere, but you can learn more about it on my website, which is just my name, bobbyrebel.com, spelled B O B B I R E B E L L. You can also follow me on all the socials on Instagram. I'm BobbyRebel1, the number one that is everywhere else. It's BobbyRebel. And I'm even, you'll be so proud of me, Andy. I'm even venturing onto TikTok. Ooh, so, please follow me there for super cringy video <laughs> that hopefully gives you a giggle. I'm working on it, I'm trying. But yeah, and definitely check out Grown Up Gear. If you have friends that are graduating or going through different life stages, bachelor parties, bachelor parties, new babies, super cute stuff that I'm having a lot of fun designing and will hopefully make the people that you gift stuff to smile and enjoy it. Oh, and my podcast, Money Tips for Financial Grownups. I have amazing guests like Andy on. And so please check that out as well. It's all the places that podcasts are, right?
1: Well, I'll put all those links in the show notes for everybody to check out. Grownupgear.com. Nicole's really enjoying that shirt you sent her way. Thank you very oh, right. much for that. Yes. So, Bobby, thank you so much for your time today. I look forward to connecting again soon.
0: Thank you for having me. And thank you for being in the book.
1: Absolutely. Check it out, everybody. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Anne Frank. Parents can only give good advice or put them on the right paths. But the final forming of a person's character lies in their own hands. Best of luck in raising smart, independent, and service-driven kids, everyone. Carpe diem!